The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. What is the Trinity? For generations, believers across time have been wrestling with this question employing every mental faculty at their disposal, trying to understand how God can be three persons and yet one God. It was the question that divided the early church, too. Uh, It led to so many different controversies and beliefs and opinions that they had to sit down and write multiple creeds to address it. How you answer the question is the difference between truth and lies, between belief and unbelief, between Christianity and every other religion. Even to this day, if you ask the question, what is the Trinity, odds are you'll be greeted by eye rolls, groans, you might see someone brace for a debate, or you might get a frustration-induced headache. Because no matter where it goes, it seems like the idea of the Trinity causes nothing but division. But that's not a God problem. That's an us problem. Because while it might seem like the Trinity causes division, in reality, the Trinity is the only thing that creates unity both on this earth and in this church. The world that that God created was a very good world, and mankind was the crown of his creation. This very good world took the Trinity to create. The Father calls himself creator. The Son uh, is mentioned in John's Gospel as the one through whom all things were made, and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. Three persons, one God, one maker of all things. And this perfect God made a perfect world, completely united. But this perfect united world is just as incomprehensible to us as the Trinity itself. Because not long after God created this utopia for mankind, mankind brought into the utopia sin that contorted and distorted everything so that for mankind, survival was now a struggle. They were at odds with themselves, they were at odds with others, they were at odds with nature, and they were at odds with God. God had given them life, which was the epitome of unity. But they had chosen death, the epitome of division. But even though mankind was separated from God, and even to this day we are still sinful people, God preserves this world for us, and he continues to do so. And we call this time that God gives us the time of grace. An easy definition for grace is God's undeserved love. And if you look around your world, you may see a whole lot of undeserved love that God gives us. Because there's nothing that says that he has to hold the world together. There's nothing that says he has to make sure everything operates the same way. At any moment, he could change anything he created. But why doesn't he? Because when he created this world, he made this world for a blessing for his people. And because that blessing was made in a perfect world, even though it's been twisted by sin... God still keeps it as a blessing for us. Blessings like marriage, food, friendship, 
and emotions. However, since the beneficiaries of these blessings are now sinful people, he not only gives us these blessings, but also gives us instructions how to use these blessings. We call them the Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, God tells us to respect authority, to respect life, to respect marriage, property, and a good name. He doesn't give us these instructions because he wants to be a domineering tyrant. No, he gives us these instructions because these are the ways we best enjoy the blessings that he gives us. Let me give you an example. When I was young, I was digging through some of my grandparents' stuff, and I found this old and complicated board game. When I opened it up, I was super excited because the figurines inside were super detailed, super intricate, and I began to play with them like action figures. But as I played, my cousin came downstairs, he's a little older than me, and I asked him, hey, do you want to play this game with me? He said, sure. And he pulled out the instructions. That was his first mistake. So I told him, we have no need for instructions. These are my rules. This is how we're going to use these toys. Needless to say, he didn't stick around very long. And we didn't end up playing the game that probably would have been ten times more fun than any fun that I had playing with the little action figures, the rules that I made myself. The same thing is true with the blessings God gives us. His blessings are best enjoyed according to the instructions that he gives. Authority is best when it's honored and respected. Life is best when it's kept safe. Marriage is best when sex is kept inside of it. Property is best when it's not stolen. And a name is best when it's not slandered. So as you live in this time of grace on God's earth, enjoy the blessings that he gives to you. Enjoy good food and good friends. Enjoy the time with your family, your time with your spouse and with your kids. Enjoy the outdoors, the arts, or whatever else you find pleasure in, because these are the gifts that God preserves for you, and he loves to give to you. But we are not only in this time of grace to enjoy blessings. If it was all about the blessings, we would be in heaven already, where we would have no sin whatsoever. No, we are here not only to enjoy blessings, but to also be blessings to others. We are here for the sake of unbelievers, because we are the ones who know the Trinity, even though we can't possibly explain exactly who he is. We are the ones through whom God speaks and God uses so that the whole world might be united under one Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God who saved mankind. Because just as it took the Trinity to create the world, so too it took the Trinity to save the world. The Father is the one who sent the Son and the Spirit. The Son is the one who came down to this earth, took the name Jesus, lived a perfect life, and died in our place. And the Holy Spirit is the one who creates faith in our hearts and strengthens that faith so that we can be encouraged and look forward to the day that we'll be with God forever in heaven. God continues to hold this world together that he not only created, but he also saved. So that all people of all time may hear God's word and be a part of the unity of being in God's family. But just as God created the world, he also creates the church. And just as God strengthened uh, and preserves the world, he preserves this church. But just as sin came into the world and divided the world, so too sin comes into churches and 
divides churches. Drive around Sharpsburg for a little while and you'll see what I mean. Church over here, church over here. Different affiliations, different church bodies, different beliefs, different teachings. And this division in the church is not only external, it's also internal. There is no church that doesn't have its strife occasionally or its drama occasionally or its hardships occasionally. Satan is no fool. He knows that division is the best way to undermine the gospel. That is why Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, make them one as we are one. Jesus' desire is that we be united as believers into one body, but understand what he means by united. He doesn't mean that we put aside our minor differences and that we all join together into one group, even though we don't believe the same thing. Unity is not achieved in name alone. Unity is achieved in name and belief. Jesus says there is only one truth, there is only one God's word. And that's why in the same prayer he prays for unity, he also says, Lord, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. In order that we might be unified as a church, he doesn't say throw out the minor differences because to him, the minor differences aren't minor differences. No, he gives us unifying tools so that the church might be one. He gives us his word and his sacraments. And through these tools, he makes us to be what he has created us to be, a body of believers. So if you look around and see a whole lot of churches that are divided, use the tools that God gives. Stay connected to God's word and his sacraments because he says that is the place where he unifies the church. And it's also the place that we not only are connected to him, but we are also connected to each other. Because just as there are blessings that come from God preserving the world, there are blessings that come from God preserving the church. It's a wonderful thing when you watch a baby be baptized in the same name that you were baptized into. It's a wonderful thing to hear your sins are forgiven and to know that the person standing next to you is also receiving that same forgiveness of sins. It's a wonderful thing when you stand up here at communion and receive Jesus' body and blood to know that the person standing to your right and to your left and all across the row in this whole building, they believe the exact same thing that you do. That's the blessing of unity that God wants for his church. A good picture of that is the picture of a group of soldiers. Like soldiers, we come to church, we get instruction, we get training, we get encouragement, and we get our marching orders. After church is over, we leave this place and go out into the battlefield. And we begin to fight as Christians in a sinful world, carrying with us God's word and the love that Jesus has put into our hearts. And as the week goes on, we win some battles and we lose some battles. But at the end of the week, we get to come back and be together again with all the people who have been fighting the same battle as us and have all these things in common. And we are strengthened together. We share stories of victories. We share stories of defeats. We share emotional support, spiritual support. And then once we leave this place again, we go back out and the process continues. Ask anyone who has served in a military capacity and they will tell you that there is a bond 
that forms between those who fight side by side. Christians, we are those who fight side by side. We have God's word and God's encouragement, and his encouragement to you is to trust each other, to depend on each other, to support each other, not only with words of affirmation, but words of God's word, so that together we may march to the same beat of go and make disciples of all nations, and that together we may have confidence in Jesus' promise at the end of Matthew, that surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. On this side of heaven, we will never be able to fully grasp all the mysteries of the Trinity. But what we can do is tell the world who he is and what he does. Our God is three persons in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what he does is he preserves this world and he preserves this church for our benefit, for our sake. He uses them to bless us. He uses them to forgive our sins. He uses us to look forward to the day that we can be with him forever. So as we go, we march together, we walk together, when we encourage each other because it is only in the Trinity that we find unity. Amen.